guys. Good morning. We are going to get rolling in a message here. You guys doing good this morning? Yeah? You can smile at me if you're just doing good. I see a few smiles, <laughs> a few other faces. <laughs> Thank you. All right, guys. Well, hey, if I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell and lead pastor here at Antioch. And just glad you guys are joining us this morning. You made it through the cold. It's getting a little chilly here in Arkansas, huh? Um, but, uh, but yeah, thankful for this time of the year. Hey, a couple quick things before I pray to get us into the message. So uh, one, like Maggie said, there's the kind of lunch after church. It's kind of a media fast breaking party. And so that is uh, for those that did the media fast. So, uh, or the only exception, if it's like your first time here, and if you were here three weeks ago, you would have done it, then you can stay. Go ahead. That's fine. We'll give you a free lunch, all right? Um, but I'm excited for that time and, and uh, excited to share some testimonies. And then there's a few other things that we will do other than sharing testimonies. We'll seek God for a little bit on, okay, Lord, what, is, what do things look like now um, moving forward, coming out of the media fast? So if you're not sticking around for that, lunch, that's fine, but my encouragement is to really seek God, ask him, Lord, what should things look like uh, moving forward, um, and just involve him in that process before just going back to normal life. And, uh, and then anyways, after we do that together, we'll break the media fast by watching a video. Uh, so anyways, it's going to be great. My, my, my choice of video. My family really likes Dude Perfect, and so we're watching a Dude Perfect video. All right. If you don't know what that is, that's okay. Anyways, um, and let's see, I think there's something else I was going to say, but, oh, how many guys are leaving um, town this week to go somewhere else to see family? Anybody? All right, majority of this room. Okay, well, hey, two things. I, I uh, had some good time this week with our college students and hopped around to different life groups, but I think what I shared with them is going to be applicable for everybody, and I'm gonna about to pray this over us, but... Um, when you kind of shift into a different rhythm by going out of town, traveling to see family, what it usually does is it throws off the things that have become consistent and more particularly the healthy, consistent disciplines that we have begun to practice and learn as followers of Jesus. And mainly the thing I'm talking about is time with him, connection with Jesus, really one of the main central themes of this whole series we've been doing the last few weeks. And so anyways, the, the one thing I want to encourage you guys to do, no matter where you're going and if you're traveling and all that stuff that's going to be different, I would encourage you to think ahead on how am I still going to get quality time with the Lord. It will probably look different. It will probably, well, it will look different. It won't be in the same spot if you're traveling. But still think ahead. Like how can I just get little pockets, even if it's just 5, 10, 15 minutes, 30 minutes even, to connect with Jesus so that I'm still getting fed in my spirit, so to speak, getting filled up with him. And so that what you're offering your family this week is from him, not just from yourself. Amen? And I, I, uh, I need to do that because when I don't spend time with God and just walking in the flesh, it's just not pretty. And so I want to just walk in the spirit and I need to be with him. So that's one. And then second thing I was talking to our college students about is just acknowledging, especially for those of you that are younger that are going back to your parents' house, just kind of acknowledge any former area of temptation for you. What was that in the past? What was something that you went to to kind of find comfort, but it wasn't God? You know, think ahead. What, would that, what was that area of temptation? And then figure out how you're going to avoid that temptation this week. And next step on that is invite somebody else in this room or in your life group, somebody that you know loves you and will call you out because they love you, um, to just hold you accountable and check in on that area, whatever that thing might be. Does that make sense? All right. Well, let me pray for us. Um, I'm going to pray for us as we get, jump into this message, but also just pray over our little Thanksgiving week, Thanksgiving break. Sound good? 
All right, Lord, we just thank you so much that we, many of us get to have a change of schedule this week, get to take some time off, even just for a few days. Thank you that we get to see family. And Father, I just ask you, we, we come to you together and ask for your favor and your blessing over that. Of course, Lord, I ask for travel safety in Jesus' name. You protect every one of us. But even beyond that, Lord, I ask you that you would help us connect with you, to still abide in you, to still get time with you, and that you would fill us with your presence and your spirit through those times. And Lord, I pray that you would go before us and guard us from any area of temptation. Would this week be a week of victory for every single one of us, that we're coming back sharing testimonies, coming back sharing ways that you met us. And uh, so, Lord, I just pray your hand over us. In Jesus' name, and Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, guys, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, I'm going to reference something there, but this morning I've got a lot of scripture, all right? So it's going to be up on the screen, but kind of our main passage over the last several weeks has been Matthew 25, and we've been doing a series titled Oil for Our Lamps. Everybody say, Oil for Our Lamps. Oil for our lamps. So that phrase is taken from um, the first uh, little chunk of Matthew 25. It's a little parable that Jesus tells us about ten virgins. Okay, five were wise and five were foolish. And um, it's really an interesting parable, and there's a lot that goes into that and a lot of different perspectives on what this could mean. But we we looked at a couple basics, okay? We looked at the fact that the wise ones were those that had flasks of oil. They had enough oil. The foolish are those that did not have enough oil, okay? And we've been trying to figure out what does that mean? What does it mean? Obviously, we want to be wise, right? In that parable, if it has anything to do with us, you would rather lean on the wise side, yes? Am I in the right room? Okay, that's where I want to go, all right? And so they had enough oil or flasks of oil, and so we've been thinking about what could that mean? And what helps us is verse 12. If you're there, look at Matthew 25, verse 12. What helps us maybe understand what Jesus could be talking about is what he says in response to the foolish that did not have enough oil. When they're coming to him, it's like this kind of this banqueting thing and Jesus is there. He's the bridegroom and he's and people are coming because they had to go get oil. And they verse 12, it says, I'm sorry, verse 11, they come and they're like, Lord, Lord, open to us the door so we can come in and have this banquet with you and celebrate this wedding. But then verse 12, he says, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. I do not know you. So one of the reasons or the reason it seems like that they did not enter in is because they did not, they were not known by the Lord. And as we've been journeying through this, kind of our main point that this parable is about is really what it boils down to is it's about knowing Jesus and being known by him. Knowing Jesus and being known by him. It's even on the screen just to help you guys remember. Knowing Jesus and being known. And you can keep that up there for a while. And I would just add, it's not just the point of this parable, but it seems to be a common main point from Genesis to Revelation. The purpose of your existence is to know God or know Jesus and be known by him. God did not have to create us, but he created us for relationship, for fellowship, for engagement with him. And it is, oh my gosh, guys, it is amazing that we even, that we even can know Jesus, that we even uh, have the ability to be known by God. This is crazy. I've been, I was listening to a few messages and looking at a couple verses, and I think one of the verses from the Media Fast booklet was talking about how uh, the Lord allows us to be his friend. 
Guys, that is crazy if you understand how big and glorious and mighty God is. <laughs> he lets us be his friends. That's crazy. But if he lets us, if he's inviting us, then I want to say yes. I want to be your friend, Lord. I want to know you, and I want you to know me. The last, uh, and here's a couple other verses I'll throw up there on the screen uh, that just, it's like a theme throughout Scripture. John 17, verse 3, I love this. Jesus is praying, and he says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. This is the, the purpose of eternal life. It is knowing God. And knowing Jesus who he sent. And then Matthew 7, it's almost a similar response to Matthew 25, um, but it says this in Matthew 7, and 23. It says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Woo! All right, starting off with some encouraging verses this morning, all right? <laughs> but hey, you know, we're going to look at a lot of scripture, and um, you know, it's a, a good idea even when we read something that's like, wow, I thought I was coming here to get really encouraged. It's like, <laughs> at the end of the day, we just want to be those that are faithful to submit to the Word of God, no matter what it says, and then instead of adjusting what this says to make us feel better, we're going to let this adjust us so that we come in alignment with Him better, <laughs> if that makes sense. And, uh, but anyway, so Jesus, I just want us to see something. And this actually might be really encouraging some of you. Can you put Matthew 7 back up there just for a second? These people that had confidence that they, they, or at least they thought they knew God, their confidence, if you look carefully, was actually not in anything related to the gospel or knowledge of God. Their confidence was in what? What they did. What they did for him. <laughs> okay? So here's some good news. If you're in this room and you feel like you can't do much for God, it's okay, because apparently that's not the main point, okay? I've prophesied, I've cast out demons, there's been healings, there's been this, that, that I've done. But Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to know you, and I want you to know me. That is what we're going for. So the last few weeks, we've kind of uh, leaned on the first part of that kind of main summary phrase, knowing Jesus. You can put that slide up there again, knowing Jesus and being known by him. And so, uh, like last week, we did a little panel discussion with a few folks. That was awesome. We talked about loving the Word of God. How many of you guys were here last week, last Sunday? Larry did a little interview with some folks. Awesome. Hopefully, you were stirred in your desire for the Word of God. And hopefully, you read the Word of God this week. And so, that's one of the main ways we get to know Jesus is reading and loving the Word of God. The week before that, I talked about sitting at His feet, which is a unique way just to, be, just to say, let's be still before Him daily and learn to listen to him, engage with him, again, read his word. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to pretty much take the back half of that main phrase and focus on what does it mean to be known by God, okay? Because we can pursue him, we can get to know him a few different ways, but what does it mean for God to know us? Anybody ever thought about that? It's kind of curious. You know, it's like Jesus saying, I never knew you, or Matthew 25, he says, hey, I do not know you. So what could it mean to be known by God. In fact, here's what I want you to do. Turn to somebody you're sitting next to and ask them, what does it mean to be known by God? Go ahead. Turn to somebody next to you. Ask them. If you ask first, then you get off the hook. All right, ask first, quick. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. Did any of your neighbors have an incredible answer? Yes? What did your neighbor say? <laughs> Anybody want to share what your neighbor said, if it was a great answer? Come on, church. We can do this. It's family time. Lindsay, what would your neighbor say? Great. Even though God is all-knowing, you're still telling things, and then you give him access into your life. Great. Nice. Anna, you want to take, take over? <laughs> That's a good answer. Awesome. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't even know if you heard me say that. If you asked first, you kind of got the benefit. You know, they answer, and you're like, oh, that's good. That's deep. Yeah, ditto. All right. Okay, well, it's, it's a great question. I don't think it's an easy answer, but obviously we know that, that being known by God has something to do with our relationship with him and, and getting time with him and having a sense of history that we're building with him and familiarity with him as uh, like our closest friend. But what I, to make it hopefully more helpful for everybody, there's three main things we're going to dive into today that I think is how we can uh, be known by him more. What can we do to, to hopefully lean in this direction of being known by God? Okay, and there's three things. It'll be up here on the screen. Feel free to write these down or take a picture. But here's the three things we're going to dive into today. One is by being, being known by him means we are opening up to God. That's one way to be known by him. Second thing is we are repenting of sin. That's a unique way to make sure we're, we are being known by God. And then third, receiving God's love. Receiving God's love, all right? So what I'm going to do this morning is break down these things and hopefully connect some dots about how if we do these things or embrace these things in our life, then we can be assured that we are growing and being known by God, all right? First one is opening up to God. Okay, here's a few things that I mean. I'm going to break these down and, again, give you lots of verses. You might want to write a bunch of references down to look at later. So opening up to God. Here's what I mean by that. Three things that I'll explain. One is being honest with him and telling him how you're really doing. Two is, and again, these are on the screen, having two-way conversations with him. What I mean by that is that you and I are not the ones doing all the talking. There's, of course, some talking we need to do with the Lord, but... In order to open up to him, we need to do some listening as well. So I talked about that a couple weeks ago. And then also, lastly, asking him to convict us of sin. And then, on top of that, being willing to do something about what he reveals. This is all part of opening up to God. Let me expound. You can keep that up there for a while, but let me expound on that first one. Being honest with him and telling him how you're really doing. God already knows how you're doing. Isn't that crazy? But he wants you to tell him. He wants you to, in a sense, give him access to that place in your heart because when we do that, we will realize how much he cares. And he will, and through that exchange of, here I am, Lord, oh my gosh, and then receiving his care, you know what happens? You're drawn more and more and more into that place of connection with him. Here's what Psalm 62, 8 says. It says, trust in him at all times, O people, and pour out your heart before him. Everybody say, pour out. pour out. Okay. So what it doesn't say is carefully think through exactly the, the wording of the emotion that's in you and carefully say it to God. And that's not what it says. It says, pour it out. So just whatever you're feeling, God can take it. 
So just tell him, God, I am so mad. I am so frustrated. Lord, I am sad. Lord, whatever it is, the emotions that's there, here I am, God. It's ugly, but I'm pouring myself out. You don't have to pretty up your conversations to God. Now, some of us, in a sense, almost were trained that way, and so it might take some untraining, but, like, God is not looking for you to come to him all pretty and looking perfect. He wants you to just give him your raw heart and emotion. He can take it. He is hard to offend. Even if you know you're kind of off and you shouldn't be this mad at your spouse, just go ahead and tell him so that the real emotion get there and he can access that place and heal that place in your heart. Now, you would never be mad at your spouse. I know. That's just me. All right. <laughs> and then look at this. Look at this. Pour out your heart to him, and then God says, God is a refuge for us. This is awesome. I had a conversation recently with, with somebody talking about, man, I want to, I feel like I just need a safe place or safe person to kind of process with. Look at this. God is a refuge. He is our safest place. Now, I would agree that it's helpful to have other people that know Jesus, love Jesus, and love you to process things with, but first and foremost, God is our refuge. Whatever's going on in your life, he is that safe place you can share anything with him. And then I don't know if it has, yep, has that word selah on purpose, I think. He is poured out. You can trust him, poured out. He's our safe place, and selah means just like, wait, just pause. And like, rest in this. Rest in the fact that God is a safe place for us and keep coming back to this place. Don't rush out of it. So part of opening up to God is being honest with him and telling him how you're really doing. Now let's look at that second thing, having two-way conversations with the Lord. Kind of the point is simple, but um, not only do we want to talk, but we also want to give space for the Lord to speak to us. And that, of course, we're all on this journey of learning to hear God's voice but we want to be at least intentional to give him space to do so. The best starting point, if you want to learn how to hear God's voice, is just read the Bible very consistently. That is the best place because you will learn what his voice sounds like. And if anything ever comes into your mind, if you are continuing to fill your mind with this, you're going to be able to discern if, you know what, that doesn't sound that biblical. Or maybe you'll be able to say, that does sound pretty biblical. God's never going to speak something to your heart that's against his word. So if you want to start hearing his voice, just be really good at, at reading the Bible. But then I gave you a couple weeks ago, I gave you a list of a few questions you could ask God on a consistent basis. And so you can reference um, that back. Also, Ecclesiastes 5, this is interesting. It says this, verse 1, guard your steps when you go to the house of God to jo Hey, all right, time's up. I got to go. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm not even going to look in that direction. Sorry. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Draw, draw near to do what? To listen, because it's better. Uh, draw near and listen. is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. So they do not know that they are doing evil. All right, it got really intense at the end of that verse, but I think the point is clear. Draw near to listen, and we don't want to just um, only talk. And the third thing on that list of opening up to God is asking him, to convict you of sin, and then being willing to do something about what he reveals. Okay, now this, um, after I explain this, it's going to kind of shift into the second point of how can we be known by him, which is repenting of sin. But let me first talk about this, because this is a more helpful starting point. We need to ask the Lord to convict us of sin. All right, now listen, how many of you have ever, this will be a funny question, how many of you have ever been convicted of sin before? All right, okay, to be a Christian, you kind of need to have raised your hand. Okay, so if not, 
It's all right. You can follow Jesus later. Or today, you can choose to follow Jesus. All right. Um, okay, so, but, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I get convicted of sin, it doesn't feel great. It's not like a happy emotion all the time. But it is, I really want us to know that it is a gift. It is the grace of God that we would be convicted of sin. Because you know what sin does? Destroys us. <laughs> it tears us apart. It leads to death. It leads to brokenness. It leads to pain. It leads to turmoil. It is not good. <laughs> Jesus covered us in his blood to wash us free of our sin. But if we keep on sinning, what we're doing is we keep on making our life harder and more broken and more a mess. Okay? So we, when we get convicted of sin, it's such a gift because then we kind of come to our senses and then we have, we have a chance to not keep going this direction, but to turn to the Lord, to have a chance out. It's such a gift from God, his conviction. David kind of understood this in Psalm 139. This will probably be familiar to a lot of you guys, but here is him, in a sense, asking the Lord to convict them of sin. Here's what he says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous, or some translations say wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You guys heard that verse before? Yeah. Is David asking the Lord, convict me, show me. And guys, I just highly encourage you, pray this prayer. Oh my goodness, it is, honestly, this is a safety net. It is so safe if you consistently pray this. Because, like, it'll, it'll help you not be blinded for a long period of time into sin that we don't even know is there. Lord, search me. And look, look what he says, know my heart and know my thoughts. You know, it touches our emotions, the deepest places in our, in our heart, and it touches our thought life. He didn't just say, Lord, search me in what I do only externally. Okay? He says, no, search inside. Search inside. Because our, our sin starts inside, and then it leads to grievous actions and, and wicked ways. Okay, you see that in the next line, with the ways, the actions, that we're, the path that we're going tracking with me and let me um let me keep going the second part of this it's we're asking him to convict us of sin but then the next part is very important it is being willing to do something about what he reveals to us because we are letting god know us if, if we're saying lord convict me and then he and then he tells us something that's like oh this is a little off we're like okay oh okay you know me <laughs> you know what's going on but we want his knowing to have a completion of the work. It's kind of like your eyes of fire are searching right through my soul, and I know you see what's there, but I want you to bring it to completion by me actually doing something with what you're revealing to me. And so that's the other half of this part of asking him to convict us, but then being willing to do something about it. And here's a good example, another light passage of, from Revelation chapter 2. But stick with me, guys, all right? This is good. This is the word of God. Revelation 2 Jesus, compassionate, amazing Savior, Jesus, had a few things he wanted to communicate to seven churches in the first couple chapters of Revelation. Okay, here's what he says to this church. I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Look at verse 21. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Oh, oh, let me just pause there. Here's the, here's the, I don't know, convergence point of asking God to convict us and then being willing to do something about it. I love how Jesus says it to, at least to this person, this group of people. 
like, I give you time to repent. I will give you a chance to respond to the conviction of my spirit. But then you see the back half of it is there is a response. And apparently, this person refused to repent of the sexual immorality. All right, it gets better. <laughs> Behold, <laughs> woo, it's the word of God, guys. Come on, it gets, always gets better. Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. Now, I knew when I chose this passage that it's going to produce some questions in some of us. Some of you have read this, and you're like, you're fine. Yeah, you're great. Whatever. I trust Jesus. He's great. He's a perfect leader. He's so kind and compassionate. He can say whatever he wants to say. Some of us are like, what did he say? <laughs> all right. And it just goes into all the different thoughts. Of, well, what about this and consequence for our sin? I thought Jesus paid it all. Okay. So I just, I just don't want you to get distracted by those conversations because the point is clear that the Lord convicts and he wants us to repent. And if you choose to go on the repentance side, it's always going to go better for you. <laughs> it's always going to go better for me when I go on that side. And I love it. It kind of connects with that Psalm 139 verse at the very end. It says, he's the one who searches mind and heart. He searches right through our actions and just looks at what's going on in our heart, what's going on in our mind. And sometimes we have great intentions in our heart and we have great pure thoughts. But a lot of times we don't have great intentions in our heart and we have impure thoughts. And we want the Lord to see those and then us give them over to the Lord. All right, so there we go. I'm going to shift gears here. Now, I've talked about opening up to God. Okay, it's kind of the first way of letting us be known by him. But in light of that verse I just read, let's talk a little bit more about repentance. Everybody say repentance. Okay, if we want God to know us, then one of those things is we need to learn consistently how to repent of sin. All right? Now, let me uh, give you a definition real quick of repentance. It'll be on the screen. So repentance is a change of mind that appears to the one who repents of a purpose he has formed or of something he has done. Okay, it's a reversal, a switching. Then that last little part there, a longer uh, little sentence paragraph, this is more of a definition based on the context of how this word in the Greek was used in two, about 2,000 years ago in the New Testament. It kind of goes on a little bit further. It says, especially the change of mind of those who have begun to abhor or hate their errors and misdeeds, and have determined to enter upon a better course of life so that it embraces both a recognition of sin, of sin and sorrow for it and hearty amendment, the tokens and effects of which are good deeds. So let me just let me point that out. It starts with a recognition or a confession of sin and of wrongdoing. And then it says sorrow for it. It's actually like touches the place of our emotions. We feel grieved. But then third, it leads to a change in action, okay? And we'll break some of this stuff down about repentance, but that is a more clear definition of repentance. Repentance is not just, I'm sorry, God, and then that's it. That's, that's one element of it, but true repentance involves an, a total reversal of the way you were going, what you had set your mind to do. It's now changing to set your mind to go the other direction, all right? Again, let's talk about a little bit more about repentance. It's one of those words in the church that's like, I mean, you don't usually have a positive connotation to it, but I want, I want, to, I want to help us see 
a change because repentance, again, just like conviction, is a gift from God. And we'll break down that a little bit. But a, a verse that helps me um, like see, like, wow, wow, repentance at its finest is 2 Timothy 2.19. It says this, God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Hey, look at that. It's really similar to being known by God. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity or depart from sin. So if you name the name of the Lord, evidence of that is you're departing or turning from sin and iniquity. Now, again, this repentance topic, like we could do a whole series on this. And this is just one of my three main points is repenting from sin. Okay, and so I could go on and on about this. And I think maybe we should one day. But in preparing this message, I listened to um, a podcast and I was uh, running on a treadmill. I was listening to this and multiple times out loud. I said, wow, this is so good. (laughs) So I wanted to share that with you. So there's a you pull out your phone real quick. Um, There's a QR code. You can uh, snap that real quick. And uh, just for a second, this is a podcast from a guy named Timothy Keller. He's a fairly well-known author and uh, pastor and teacher. And his whole uh, message on this link here is about repentance. And it was just so rich. It was so detailed. He went through so many different verses about repentance and covered a lot of basis of some of the traps we can fall into um, in a sense of, of what false repentance is. And so anyways, I want to encourage you to listen to that sometime. Maybe it's a drive-in this week. Um, it'll get ready though because it'll convict you but it's gonna it's a gift remember it's it's a gift okay here's uh, five little kind of one-liners that I want to explain about repentance that will be on the screen again you can take a picture of this so you can jot these down here's a few things about repentance that I want to mention okay one is Jesus first message was repent you got that? <laughs> and some of you know that. Okay, look at the very first couple chapters of all of the Gospels, and what you'll notice is when Jesus started preaching, he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. His, the starting point of our beloved Jesus was, if you want have any chance in, in involving yourself in my kingdom, you must turn and go a different way. Or in other words, you must repent. You must turn. That was his first message. Second point is repentance is ongoing. I want you to think about this for a second. Repentance is ongoing. It is not just a one-time thing. And in fact, the more that you follow Jesus, ideally, the more sensitive you become to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and therefore, ideally, the more you are repenting. I know there's one thing I'm good at, guys, and I do a lot, repenting. <laughs> I, say that, I say that in my household a lot, and they all agree. Mitchell, you're really good at repenting. I'm like, I, I wish I could just be good. But anyways, I'm good at repenting, all right? And, and that's just, I want to admonish you, make that your goal. Be good and consistent at repenting and turning. Here's what he, um, John the Baptist said. He's actually rebuking the Pharisees in Luke 3, verse 8. He tells them, hey, bear fruits in keeping with. Everybody say keeping with. Keeping with or sticking to a lifestyle of repentance. And then look what he says. I don't don't want you to miss this. He says, do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children uh, for Abraham or of Abraham. So he is rebuking the Pharisees. But keep that up there because I don't want you just to say, ah, those Pharisees, they missed it. No, 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 no. What they did 
is instead of embracing a lifestyle of humility and conviction and repentance, they put their confidence on something else. And they put their confidence that we are descendants of Abraham. We are the chosen people of God. They put their confidence in something else. Listen, we can do the same thing. I've been following Jesus for this long. I don't think I have that much to repent for. I'm a pastor. I've been, fo- you know, I don't have that much to repent for. I'm a life group leader. I'm this old or I'm this, I don't know, whatever your thing is. I, I, <laughs> I vote in this party. Surely I have nothing to repent of. You know, whatever your thing is, do not deceive yourself in putting your confidence in some other thing. We want to be people that say, oh, my goodness, we're broken before the Lord, and we probably need to repent of something. Next point on repentance is repentance requires action. Everybody say action. action. I've already begun to communicate this, but, you know, just some of you, if you start thinking about this, you, you might have a, little, a few questions, and that's fine, but repentance requires action. What I'm not saying is that we need to make up for the sins we've done. Because who paid it all? Jesus. On the cross, he paid the full price for your sin. Isn't that amazing? There is nothing you have to do to make up for your sin. But do not deceive yourself too far into thinking that that means I don't need to change a single thing about my life. What you're doing is you're abusing the grace of God. All throughout Scripture, the grace of God is poured out on people and then they radically change. They radically change. And so what repentance requiring action, really what I mean is it is a response to the mercy of God. It is a response to receiving his love and his grace and his mercy. You end up changing your actions or doing radical things. I just think of Zacchaeus who, um, you know, he was invited, well, Jesus invited himself to (laughs) Zacchaeus' house. That's hilarious. It always makes me feel better when I invite myself over to some of y'all's houses. <laughs> like, just following the footsteps of Jesus here, okay? Uh, anyways, he, he's having this meal with Jesus. And we don't know the, de- the details of their conversation, but I bet you it has something to do with the fact that he learned that Jesus was going to forgive him for being s- such a hypocrite and a jerk and stealing people's money. And literally what it says is he gets up from the table and he tells Jesus, I'm going to go pay back everything that I've stolen times four, and I'm going to go give a whole bunch more away. It was an overflow response because Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus' grace. And so when we have an encounter with his grace, just the overflow of your love and gratitude is going to lead to a change of action. And in a sense, it is required of us. (laughs) There's a group of people in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19, that they were responding to the grace and power of God. And it says that they had a pretty like crazy kind of action of repentance. It says this, Acts 19. There's also many of those who are now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. 50,000 pieces of silver is the equivalent of about $4 million today. So they have this big old bonfire of all their Harry Potter books, I mean, all their, <laughs> all their other books, and they, um, <laughs> oh, it's offended a few of you, all right, so they, <laughs> they had this huge bonfire, four million dollars worth of things, all right, 
But this was like an expression. I, I don't think anyone commanded them to do this. This was an expression of saying, okay, well, if I'm following Jesus now, I can't keep following this other stuff. And so let me get rid of it. So they literally, they burn it. Full, and and it, didn't, it didn't seem to phase them. Maybe there was some emotion involved in it with certain individuals, but like, it wasn't like, hmm, this costs too much. Maybe let me sell it so I can get a profit. No, 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 no. They're like, I'm, I'm done with it. Okay, with my, <laughs> I have a friend in here many years ago in his journey of repenting and following the Lord. He literally dumped out hundreds of dollars worth of alcohol and other substances that he was using to cope with because he knew that this was a stumbling block in his life and it's going to continue to hinder him in wholeheartedly following Jesus. I'm so proud of him for being willing to do that, but that was part of a necessary action for him to turn and say, I'm yours, Lord. All these things that keep weighing me down, I'm done with them. I remember in my journey of the first couple months of following Jesus, I, I've, heard, I've shared this publicly multiple times, but before following Jesus, I was addicted to all forms of lust and pornography and masturbation. It was a normal part of my life. I got saved. Jesus started convicting me and showing me that you can't keep going this direction if you want to wholeheartedly follow me. And so I was convicted, and I changed, and, and I, at that point, I grabbed my hard copy stuff that I had, pornography, and I threw it away. Okay? And guess what, guys? Today... <laughs> You can do the same thing. It's just more expensive trash. <laughs> but it's not $4 million. <laughs> We'd be like, oh, but, but, but. Get rid of it if you want to follow Jesus. Now, literally throwing it away, you know, talk to maybe some of you are on your parents' you know, phone bill. So talk to them first. <laughs> what you do with your phone? But I am not kidding you just have to figure out what, what is worth it. You're going to stand before Jesus one day, and he's not going to ask you, you know, like, <laughs> were you cool and had an iPhone just like a friend? Like, that's not going to be his first question. All right, so, you know, in whatever it looks like. I've heard so many people that have gone from a smartphone to a dumb phone because they knew they couldn't handle the temptation. And I'm just like, I'm so proud of people that are willing to do that because they want Jesus, and they're willing to repent. Let's keep rolling here. So a couple other phrases. Repentance. We've talked about how Jesus' first message of repentance. Repentance is ongoing. It requires action. And then fourthly, repentance is a must. It's really the evidence of the work of the Spirit that's inside of you. If you have any questions about that, read pretty much all of 1 John, especially chapter 3. He says really bluntly some different things about the evidence of the Spirit of God in our life. And one particular thing in chapter 3, he says, if you keep on practicing sin, then the, the Spirit of God is not, is not at work in you. So you need to learn to repent and turn. And then lastly, like I've already said, repentance is a gift. You know what this repentance is? It is, is a gift to us that sh communicates that there is always a way out. And there is always a fresh start that God is willing to give any one of us. Isn't that great? I know I'm talking a lot about sin, and some of it is heavy. It brings up things in your life, but just don't miss. When you turn, you know what you're turning to? The most merciful, loving, forgiving God of the universe. And he is wait, he's just eagerly waiting to embrace you and saying, I know that was bad, but my mercy is bigger than that. I know that was horrible. I know that was evil, but my mercy and my grace will cover that. Amen. We're turning to one that receives us. It's amazing. So repentance is a gift. So in summary of this topic of repenting 
from sin is here's what we want to do. We want to we reject sin from our life. We want to turn from it. We never want to settle, accept it, or embrace it. And let me just comment on a couple things. Are we ever going to be perfect in this side of eternity? No. Like I said earlier, the more you are growing in your sensitivity to the Spirit's conviction, the more you realize you have a lot of things to repent for. And it goes a little deeper than actions. It goes to the intentions and motives of your heart. Okay? But that's, that's not a license to say that I can stay in my sin and not do much about it as long as I just do it every once in a while. No, 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 no. We want to run completely away and choose this day, today, of, Lord, I don't want to sin against you. Help me. Guard me. Protect me. Change my desire away from the things that are sinful, and let me desire you. We want to be a people that embrace wholehearted love and repentance. Another additional thing about walking in this, repenting of sin, we need to gladly welcome feedback from others and insight into how we might be missing us, missing it because all of us have blind spots. Okay? Even in, you, you, let's say you really embrace this, what I'm saying, God, convict me of sin, convict me of sin. I bet you there will still be something that doesn't come to your mind. <laughs> that you need and that I need to repent from. And so we need to embrace a lifestyle of living in community, allowing people to speak into our lives. Now, here's the deal. The majority of the relationships you're going to have here are hopefully very encouraging. They're first going to encourage you with the good they see in you. But occasionally, someone might call something out on you. And we do not want to buck that and get super defensive because what we want more than to, to protect ourselves, we want to we grow in holiness. We want to grow in wholeness and righteousness before the Lord. So we need to be willing to hear that, even if it's hard. Um, I have an example of when I was in college, um, which was many years ago, uh, my buddy, I was telling him about this cool CD that I got, CD. Uh, some of you don't know what that is. But anyways, Combat Disc. Okay, some of you do know what that is. Um, and uh, this cool CD, and he was asking me where I got it from. I was like, oh, just my friend burned it for me and gave it to me. And he's like, oh, so you didn't pay for it? I said, uh, no. <laughs> what, are you, what are you getting at? Matt? His name is Matt. <laughs> Love that guy. And he goes on to explain a little bit. Well, you like, maybe you know, the artist would appreciate, you know, they work really hard to make this music, maybe you know, paying for it. <laughs> I'd love to say at the time, I was like, got on my knees and said, oh, you were so right. I was, I was mad. I was like, gosh, this ruins, like the, all my CDs were burnt. They're all stolen, apparently. <laughs> and, uh, but it was so helpful. Because it didn't take very long for me to realize, like, ah, this is conviction, and I need to do something about this. But I'm thankful that my friend loved me enough to call me out on something. And, uh, and so I stopped burning CDs. Uh, again, y'all don't even know what that is, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, anyways, all right, let me, let me go on. Last thing about repentance, and then I'm going to have the band come up, and we'll talk about God's love for a second. Think about, I want you to think about the Lord's Prayer. This might be really helpful for some of you that want to take this seriously. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, Matthew 6, he said, not, he didn't say, lead us not into sin. He said, lead us not into what? So I was talking to uh, a buddy of mine. We do discipleship together, and he was explaining something that God was teaching him because one of the normal questions we'll ask in our discipleship is, hey, is any sin you need to confess, anything we need to bring to light, any way we've been tempted? In a sense, he's like, no, I don't think I did anything, but God was really speaking to me this week about like, almost changing my starting point with this topic, and I'm going to change it from, you know, I'm almost about to commit sin to, I'm going to go after the temptation. 
I'm going to go after this place, and if I can overcome and rebuke the temptation, then it's keeping me further and further away from this line of sin. And I'm just like, dude, that is the Bible. That's what James 1 says. It, like, starts with our thoughts and our feelings, and then it leads to action and desire, all this stuff. And so, in a sense, this might be really helpful for you. Think about, again, I said this earlier about going um, back to see some of your families this week. What is the area of temptation? And go after the temptation itself and say, no, I'm going to avoid this temptation, or at least I'm going to rebuke it when it comes up. And then it's keeping you further and further away from actually falling into and choosing sin. And here's an amazing promise in 1 Corinthians 10 about temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it's on the screen. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Isn't that great news? Okay, it takes a while to think about that, meditate on it, to actually receive it. But just remember, next time you're tempted, there is a way out. There is a way of escape that God is providing, and he is faithful to give you the grace to endure. Amen? Amen. All right, band, go ahead and come on up. Here's how we're going to close it out. Is in order to really learn to be known by God, there's a couple of things we can do. We can open up to God. We can repent of sin. But the third one, you know, I could have started here, but I decided to end here, is we need to be consistent and good at receiving God's love. I think about me as a dad, and one of the most, I don't know, meaningful interactions that I have with my children that make me feel like, man, they know me and I know them, is in a sense when they receive my love. When I hug them and I say, I love you, and they like say, I love you back. (laughs) That is the sweetest exchange of relationship that I have with my children. My daughter, Arabella, who's four, you know, um, there's a couple things I'll whisper in her ear at night as I'm tucking her in, and it kind of goes a little bit like this. I whisper, hey, Arabella, I got something to tell you. And I get close to her ear, and I say, I love you. And then she grabs my face and tries to turn to my ear and says, Daddy, I need to tell you something. And she says, I love you. (laughs) And then I say, hey, one more thing I need to tell you. I'm glad you're my daughter. She grabs my face and gets my ear, and she says, Daddy, I'm glad you're my daughter. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. You're on, you're, on, you're on track, just a little off, but uh, it's hilarious. But those, those little exchanges mean so much to me, and it's this, this expression of love. And, okay, I am an imperfect dad, but my goodness, our Father in Heaven is so perfect, and we are His children, and He knows we're weak. And you know what He really wants you to believe today? He loves you. He is glad that you are his daughter. He is glad that you are his son. And listen, no matter how young or old you are, you are first and foremost a child of God. If you're in your 30s like me, you're still a child. If you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, you are a child of God. We never graduate from being childlike in God's presence. Another way to say that, we never graduate from receiving the all-encompassing, amazing, merciful love of God. We must receive it if we want him to know us and us to know him. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Look at your neighbor and tell him God loves you. His love. Thanks, bro. His love means that he cares for us. He knows us. He wants to help us. He wants to speak into our world. 
His love means that he has our best interest in mind. He's got perfect, good, and pure intentions towards you. There is nothing harmful, selfish, cruel, or bad in God's heart towards you as your perfect father. Does this mean that nothing hard is going to happen in your life? No, of course not, because sin has entered into the world, and sin has caused brokenness in the world and pain in the world. But remember, a couple things. There is coming a day when all pain and all hardship is going away, (laughs) and he will be faithful to that promise. So if you're feeling weary of, gosh, do you really love me because my world is hard? Oh, no, no, no. There's going to be a day quicker than you know where you realize, oh, my gosh, all my pain taken away, all my hardship, every tear wiped away. Lord, you're faithful to your word. You do love me. Also remember that Jesus suffered horribly. He wasn't exempt from the brokenness in this world when he came into the world. He's our great example who endured it on our behalf and still believe that God loved him. His father loved him in heaven. So how do we receive God's love? A couple things. Just ask God, do you love me? And wait for an answer. Also, think of scriptures and memorize scriptures about God's love. Declare and thank God for his love on a consistent basis. And when we have those continual exchanges of love, it, it strengthens a relationship, and you feel known by God, and you feel like you're growing and knowing him. All right, so here's what we're going to do to close out is we are going to kind of answer some journal questions. So some of you, I see you got journals, uh, so keep those out with a pen. If you don't, that's fine. I would encourage you to pull out your phone and go to your notes app. Just some way to jot down a few thoughts. There's a slide that will be up here that has some journal questions, some response questions. And you'll see the theme of going through these three points. One is, God, how can I open up to you more? Another one is, Lord, what sin do I need to repent of or turn away from? And not just that, but what source of temptation do I need to get rid of in my life? And the last one is about God's love. God, do you really love me? Just, and I would encourage you, ask that question and just pause for a few seconds. And then you can continue to say, God, how can I believe and receive your love every day? So go ahead and take a few minutes to jot down some answers to these questions. The band's going to lead us in a song. And then I thought it would be a great way to kind of close out this morning after you guys journal a little bit to take communion together. And so you'll see those little uh, communion cups underneath your chair. But first, go ahead and jot down your answers to these questions. And if you finish, feel free just to worship right where you are and just continue to talk with God.